Welcome to the pilot episode of The Headline. I'm Andre Husol. I'm proud to introduce myself from all the way from the Philippines, and I'll be your host. For the first of my segments of this show, I wanted to talk about something near and dear to my heart. It has been 16 years since President Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Since then, the myth and popularity of the Kennedy name was carried through by the charisma of both of his brothers, making it the most storied political dynasty in American history. But in recent times, that dynasty began to fade, culminating in the defeat of Joe Kennedy III in a Massachusetts Senate primary. But the Kennedy political dynasty might be at a turning point, as Robert Kennedy's son and namesake RFK Jr. is now running as a third-party independent candidate. Polling roughly 20%, those numbers have never been seen in an independent candidate since Teddy Roosevelt and Ross Perot. This might be the surprising considering he is known for his anti-vaccination advocacy, which has earned him as a label as a conspiracy theorist and alienated most of the Democratic voting base and even his family. But thanks to his anti-vaccination, populist messaging, and his last name, he managed to get the support of some Democratic and Republican voters. This might be the deciding factor in next year's election as races in the battleground states could get ridiculously close. The amount of who Kennedy takes the most will decide the election itself. Other from that, if he reached those expectations, he could see another polit- Kennedy family member make a political comeback, specifically Special Envoy to Ireland, Joe Kennedy III. Throughout its history, the Kennedy political dynasty has proven to be one of the most resilient families in American history. And the story of Camelot continues. We'll be right back. So, welcome back. This week might be a turning point in Philippine politics, as the unity to which the current administration campaigned and won on is currently being undermined. So, let's start from the beginning. The Marcos and Duterte political marriage has been the most politically dominant force in Philippine history. They both rode on it true victory during the 2022 presidential elections, to which they both won an outright majority that has been never been seen in the post-EDSA Republic. But, thanks to public pressure and anger towards the confidential fund scandal of the vice president, the lower house, led by Marcus's cousin and House Speaker Martin Romualdez, decided not to give the proposed confidential fund budget for the, vice, for the office of the vice president during the 2024 year. This enraged the vice president's father and former president, Rodrigo Roa Duterte, to which he declared war on Maldes, accusing him of politicking and furthering his presidential ambitions, even threatening a political comeback, to which, to which Romualdez responded by stripping Duterte's key political allies of key positions and securing dozens of defections of members of the PDP Laban, the former president's party. Even though both clans denies the rift, but there have been rumors that some House members might move towards impeachment against the vice president, and even some voice support of cooperation with the ICC investigation of Duterte's drug war. As despite Marcus's Jr.'s continued support for the vice president, only time would tell if this escalates and it could lead to a political divorce this coming 2026. We'll be right back.
For tonight's final segment, or rather the final segment of each episode, I want to focus on a new story that has been barely even reported, overshadowed, and even ignored by the mainstream media. For tonight's forgotten headline, the ongoing Rohingya refugee crisis. This week, the saw three boats filled with Rohingya refugees landing on the shores of Aachen, Indonesia, carrying with, over with them a hundred people. As Myanmar continues its spiral into civil war and conditions in refugee camps in Bangladesh grows worse, the Rohingya refugee crisis, however, started around 2017, as decades of discrimination and racism boiled over into a massive wave of violence, with the international community accusing the Myanmar's military of ethnic cleansing and even genocide. But six years later, those over 900,000 Rohingya refugees haven't been able to return home while being stuck in refugee camps that has been described as flimsy shelters. With the health risk increase, with the fact that people are facing overcrowding, lack of sanitation, lack of clean water, and lack of healthcare services. With those who need aid right now, half of those are children. It is no secret, despite the dozens of condemnations by diplomats, it hasn't provided justice or alleviation for those suffering, of those refugees, to which the UN called the most persecuted minority in the world. Ever since the, the, sec, the end of the Second World War and the establishment of the UN, we collectively vowed to say never again, but the failure of the international system is at full display here. As international pressure winded down over time due to the fact it's not in geopolitically important, this crisis and many others should not be looked at as merely as a geopolitical one, but look at it through the lens of empathy. With that being said, I left three links below of charities working on the ground to make the, the lives of the Rohingya refugees a little bit better. If you want to donate now, now is your chance. And that ends my episode this week. Thank you for watching this pilot episode. I am Andre Hussol for the headline. And I'll be back again next week. Once again, thank you for watching and have a good